Today on Lockdown Red Wings, Prashant Iyer of Expected by Whom joins us to profile Colby Barlow and Zach Benson. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. And I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J, WWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scott is host over at Locked On Tigers as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And uh, today, guys, we're bringing back Prashant Iyer, one of the hosts of Expected By Whom, to help us do a couple more draft profiles of uh, this today. We're going to do Colby Barlow and Zach Benson. Both of them are forwards. One, Prashant, thanks for coming back on and joining us. How are you doing today? I can't complain. appreciate you guys having me back on and, you know, always excited to talk about draft prospects. Uh, we are happy to have you back on because uh, we looked at the calendar and I was telling you this before we started recording, Prashanth, but we didn't realize it had been like a month since we had, since we had done a draft profile. We had done like a bunch in one week and then we looked at the calendar and we're like, oh crap, we have like 28 days to cover as many prospects as possible. And so thankfully there's guys like you out there who are very as you would put generous with your time and uh, know a lot more about these guys uh, than we do. Scotty, which of these two guys do you want to lead off with in today's episode? Well, I get to pick, eh? Yeah. I'm, I'm giving you the honor of picking which of these left wingers, left-handed left wingers you want to talk <laughs> yeah, about first. Right. <laughs> uh, let's go. Let's wow. They both, I was going to say do like an alphabetical thing, but like they, both their last names start with B too. It's really just like, uh, let's There's go Zach Benson. Man. Let's go Benson. <laughs> That's the closest to Bentley. So we'll go Benson. All right, Prashant. When it comes to uh, Zach Benson, he's five foot 10, 159 pounds, a little on the lighter side, 18 years old. I played this last season with the Winnipeg ice of the WHL. 98 points, 60 games played, 36 goals, 62 assists. I'm pretty sure, Prashant, I read that that is the second most points of any draft-eligible player in the WHL behind Connor Bedard this year. I guess my first question would be is uh, I'm seeing him drafted his uh, his rankings on a lot of places between in like that five, seven, five, six, seven, eight range. Like why is he there and not higher when he was just behind Connor Bedard? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. You know, Benson is a tremendous playmaker, played on a really stacked Winnipeg Ice team this year with, uh, you know, Matt Savoy, uh, the ninth overall pick from last year, going to Buffalo. Uh, you know, so ben, Benson at times is, is one of the most dynamic offensive players. He can carry the puck through uh, the neutral zone and transition, very good uh, compete level, works really hard along the boards, has great playmaking skills, a lot of great stick skills. He's exactly the kind of player, you know, you're looking for that, that fills the stat sheet can potentially make everybody better around him. Why is he not higher? The, the challenges are he's five foot nine, 160 pounds. And so he's got to be able to overcome that moving up. And there are plenty of guys who have done that. The challenge being he's going to do that from a, winger position as opposed to down the middle of the ice and so when you look at the guys that are ahead of him consistently in the draft you're talking about obviously Connor Bedard uh, I don't think I have to give any explanation there but Adam Fantilli center 
Leo Carlson center, Will Smith center. Uh, they're, they're all bigger guys playing the center, producing at a high rate. Matvey Michkov, obviously doing what he's done out in Russia. He's a right winger, but even still, he he's kind of produced at a level that's a little bit higher than what we've seen from Benson. But you could make a case that Benson is one of the five most talented players in this draft. The question will be, can he overcome all of that with his size? Well, I, I think I guess my question is kind of the exact opposite then in the sense of is – it wishful thinking to think that he will be there around our pick, or do you think that that is in the realm of possibility still? Yeah, he's, he's definitely in the realm of being available. You know, if you look at the, the rankings that have come out from the public uh, over the course of the year, he's really been ranked as high as four, but he's also been ranked as low as 17. And that 17 wow. came today on May 30th from Corey Pronman. So Corey Pronman's got Zach Benson at 17th on his list. Pronman last year, um, you know, was was pretty accurate with some of the positions of the guys that went, most notably Shane Wright, who went fourth after a lot of people thought he was going to go first overall. So it would be very interesting to see how much of this is an informed opinion. Uh, that being said, I think Benson is going to be there at nine for sure. And potentially will be there at, at 17 because you're always going to have a run of defensemen uh, that, that tend to go out. We don't really get drafts anymore. They don't have defensemen going in the top 10. So expect to see David Reinbacher, Dmitry Simashev is making his moves up. You know, Axel Sandin Pelika is there as well. Um, Mikhail Gulyuyev. There's a number of guys that I think will, uh, that are on the defensive side that'll slide up such that Benson is there at at least nine potentially even there at 17. What's led to this kind of slip in his draft stock? I mean, a lot of these draft rankings, you're saying the newest one today has him at 17, but prior to that, according to Elite Prospects, there's only been two other rankings that's had him at nine or lower. Everything else has been top eight, top seven, top six, even higher than that. Is it just the results of U18 Worlds influencing some guy's stock? Is it People are starting to balk at his size because he's only 165. And you can put on muscle. And we've seen undersized wingers time and time again excel at the NHL level. Is it what's causing him, his draft stock to kind of slip back a little bit? I don't know that there's anything he's necessarily done from a performance standpoint that's caused his stock to slip. Rather, you know, as we get to this period of time where there's not really a lot of hockey being played, not a lot of prospects are, are continuing to go on, and you've got people kind of relitigating the same video over and over and over, you're going to have these fluctuations. But I do think one thing that Pronman has been relatively consistent with is he has been on the lower end of rankings with Zach Benson. And, and really what it comes down to is, as I mentioned, his size, five foot nine, 160 pounds, you know, we're going to have the combine coming up soon. So we'll get official measurements to know for sure kind of what his size is, but at his size with that frame, there's a lot of challenges in being able to translate your skill to the next level if you don't have elite speed. And Benson does not have elite speed. He is a good skater, probably not you know, anything worse than league average, but he doesn't have insane separation speed. And so when you think about defenders being able to use their reach, their stick length to, to be able to keep him at bay, there are some questions as to how effective is he going to be if he can't separate from defenders. Uh, and so I think it just makes him a little bit riskier, but that should take away nothing from the level of skill that he's got. And he's got a high motor. You're talking about a guy who 
who is competing very hard, recovers a lot of pucks on the forecheck. It's just at his size, without the separation speed, can he do this at higher levels? Well, I, I guess then my my next natural question would just be like, you know, you talked earlier about how uh, we have seen undersized forwards overcome that and everybody kind of has to find a uh, like a I don't want to say niche, but like a part of their game to like really excel in to overcome that. Right. And, and if his isn't going to be skating, what is going to be the trait that he has that does allow him to overcome it if he reaches his ceiling? Yeah, Benson's an elite playmaker. I mean, you look at his ability to create offense in Winnipeg. Now, part of that may have been he's surrounded by incredibly talented teammates. I mean, that Winnipeg Ice team was absolutely ridiculous yeah. this year. Uh, but he he makes everybody better around him with his playmaking, with his vision, and with that work ethic. And so what's going to get him there is honestly him wanting to outcompete everybody. He is very, very dogged in his pursuit of the puck and the way he plays the game. And so if he's going to get to that next level, it's going to be simply no one was going to stop him. No one was going to deny him from getting there. Uh, so you really have to like that motor on him. You have to like that compete and just see how far that's able to carry him. Awesome. Oh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation on Zachary Benson. Um, but first, I got to talk to you guys today about Athletic Greens. This next partner is a product you got to use literally every day. Start taking AG1 because with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day, right? This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all those things. It's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. It's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health. And you know what? It's less than $3 a day because Athletic Greens founder found himself with a ton of gut health issues, and he ended up on a complicated routine of over $100 a day. So he created Athletic Greens to not just help himself, but help you. And it's got over 7,000 five-star reviews to prove that it works. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are joined today by Prashant Iyer, one of the hosts of uh, Expected by Whom, and uh, a man who has some interesting player models or draft prospect models. I've been watching you tweet those out, those little <laughs> charts uh, that what uh, dot their trajectories in the NHL draft. Those are really interesting. I guess I want to go off topic real quick. First of all, Prashant, how in the hell do you even make an app that tracks that? Like you you always come out with these <laughs> models and it always blows my mind. I mean, you know, I appreciate that. It, what I do in hockey now, uh, obviously I don't really write that much anymore. Yeah. Uh, as we talked before the show, writing is for losers. <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. The newspaper is, is, is dead, right? Right there. <laughs> but, you know, so what I do now is, is things that I find interesting or fascinating, that's what I want to look at. And then when I 
potentially find something that's useful, I want to create a way that helps other people visualize it. And so one of the things that's really taken off in recent years is the ability of the quote unquote public scout to get access to video on a lot of these guys. And so now you've got a lot of different outlets, a lot of different people making their own rankings. What's always interesting to me is how do those rankings sort of evolve over the course of a year? When, you know, when are the sort of decision points for people to generate rankings? When do we often see changes or fluctuations? What things tend to be most influential? So what I thought would be fascinating is if you look at a lot of draft rankings, most people start with their first draft ranking about a year ahead of the draft and will continue to put out anywhere from three to four to five more rankings. And you can actually follow over the course of time and see how certain players evolve. And, you know, with that being said, I decided, hey, let me just create a way to visualize it and let people visualize whoever their players were. And so just pulled the list of folks from Central Scouting and tied it together to the rankings that I find. So it's kind of a fun way to look at things. That's really interesting. I want to get back to that at the end of the show if we have time, but we should stick to the the point here. And my final question I had about Zach Benson was just exactly how does he fit if he does it all with the Detroit Red Wings organization? And we talked last time you were on one of the Red Wings biggest needs right now is goal scoring. Uh, he's primarily a playmaker, although he can score goals as well. Again, he had 36 goals with that stat Winnipeg ice team. Does he find himself with a good fit in the Red Wings organization? Is he someone that the Red Wings might pursue? Yeah, he's absolutely a guy that would bring another dimension to the Red Wings. I mean, when you talk about pure playmakers, uh, the Wings don't really have a lot of those. Uh, Lucas Raymond was the guy that was billed to be that, and he still, you know, obviously has the potential to be that. But if you're looking for what the concerns are from a frame standpoint, you know, Lucas Raymond has been a little bit of that concern from his frame, not being all that big. Uh, and he's got an inch plus, uh, you know, 10, 15 pounds on Zach Benson. That being said, you know, what, what does Benson bring to the Red Wings? Dynamic playmaking that you just don't have right now. You know, he's a guy that can carry the puck through the neutral zone like we talked about. He's got the ability to freeze defensemen, create plays for others. It really is a dimension the Wings simply don't have outside of Lucas Raymond, who is still kind of coming into his own and developing. And you can argue that Benson's maybe a little bit more developed uh, at that compared to where Raymond was at the time of his draft. And so very much so, I think he brings a lot. He's obviously playing the other side of the ice from Raymond, Raymond being a right winger, Benson being a left. I think Benson also brings a lot of, uh, you know, playmaking ability to the power play. You know, the Red Wings power play over the years has looked really stagnant. Benson's a guy that can see, see passing lanes, create things by himself. Uh, and so all that being said, I do think he absolutely fits into the Red Wings uh, if they decide to draft him. Yeah, anything else on Benson? Yeah, we can yeah. transition right into Colby Barlow then. So the second guy we're going to profile in today's episode is uh, Colby Barlow, left wing, left-handed shot, six foot, 187. Got a few inches, few inches on Benson. Uh, a lot of draft rankings have him listed between the eight, I, as low as 30 if you, uh, if you ask smart scouting, but he's typically somewhere between eight and 20 in most draft rankings that I see. Uh, he played, he was the captain of the Owen sound attack, 59 games played, uh, 46 goals, 33 assists, 79 points in the OHL this year. And he wore an a for the U 18 team cam team Canada at the world juniors. 
and had four points in that span of six games. All right, Prashanth, after I got rid of all that mouthful, let people know who he is. Uh, Colby, Colby Barlow, what do you think of him? So he's a he's a tremendous winger that can play in all situations. Uh, so obviously coming out of the OHL, um, he's a guy that is going to be best known as a goal scorer. So he scored goals at a ridiculous rate. I mean, I think when he was 16 in the OHL, the guy scored 30 goals in 59 games. He's he is a pure goal scorer and can score from range. Almost, you know, you don't want to make the comparison too far that that way, but Patrick Line esque in terms of the ability to beat goalies from from distance. Uh, that being said, um, beyond just his shot, he's also got kind of a great build. So we just talked about with Zach Benson being a smaller guy, small frame. Benson's got a pro frame, you know, being six foot one, 190 pounds. I mean, he is very well built, very strong on his skates. Uh, doesn't necessarily have the same foot speed or speed necessary that would really truly make him elite. Uh, but ultimately, you're looking at a guy that's going to play all situations, top six with a great shot uh, ability to beat goalies from range, something the wings sorely are missing right now. Well, I, I think we have talked about, and honestly, I, I'm pretty sure we talked about it with you last time you were on just the, the, I, I almost want to use the word desperate need for the Red Wings to add someone who can either be a pure goal score or turn into a pure goal score. And, and as you said, you know, that's kind of what, uh, what he's being labeled as, I guess, right now, and and he's done that at the OHL level. Is that is this a guy that can legitimately turn into that? Uh, I don't know. Like, dare I say, forty-ish goal scorer at the NHL level? I think if he's going to turn into a forty goal scorer at the NHL level, one thing that's going to have to improve is his shot selection. Sure. Uh, if you go and you, you know, one of the nice things about the OHL is they track shot locations uh, throughout the game. And so you can actually pull Barlow's shot locations and see where they're at. He does tend to shoot from range quite a bit. Now there's questions as to why does he do that? Does he do it because he can score from there uh, against OHL goalies, or is he doing it because he doesn't want to go one-on-one with the defender or he's not confident in his ability to beat the defender. All that being said, obviously once you get to the AHL NHL level, you are very rarely going to score from range on these goalies, even if you're Patrick Line or Alex Ovechkin. And so I think for him to really be that 40 goal scorer, he's going to have to work a little bit on his skating. He's going to have to work on his ability to kind of take defensemen one-on-one and get to better areas of the ice. If he does that, this is a guy that can be a, a 40 goal scorer in the NHL. Absolutely. And so that leads me to my follow-up question too, is, Obviously, he is ranked lower on most generally in most rankings than the other guy we're talking about in Zach Benson, despite the fact that he's bigger, he's more of a goal scorer. Is it because of those things? Because people tend to think that maybe a lot of his goal scoring is because of the type, the level of play he's at, that he is ranked lower. Like what separates him and Benson? Yeah, I think Benson's a far better playmaker. Benson's got a higher motor. Uh, Barlow's got the better shot. Um, but beyond those things, sort of Benson's, I think, overall game is much more appealing than Barlow's overall game, even though Barlow has the ability to play in all situations. Uh, so I, I think that's a large part of what goes into it. Um, that being said, I would not be shocked if you saw Barlow go before Benson uh, this year, despite what all the public rankings have had. And strictly because of that pro size, that pro frame, 
and having an elite shot. Uh, those are things that are highly coveted in today's NHL. And that, that may be reasons why, but I think publicly speaking, the reason why he's ranked a little bit lower is his game is not nearly as well-rounded from a playmaking standpoint, from a transition standpoint, and from, you know, the ability to, to get to those more dangerous scoring areas. I think Benson's got the edge there for sure. Gotcha. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll wrap up the conversation on Colby Barlow. So stay tuned to Locked on Red Wings. Segment three, Locked on Red Wings podcast. We're joined by Prashant Iyer, one of the hosts of Expected by Whom. And he's helping us break down two prospects in today's episode. Previously, Zach Benson. Now we're talking about Colby Barlow. Scotty, I believe you are next up on the uh, the ticky tack question. What are we <laughs> well, going on? My, honestly, I, I want to, you know, the last question, like you had just talked about uh, how like national media kind of outlets were maybe ranking the two of them. I want to know you specifically, if both are on the board and they are in your eyes, the two best prospects available, which way are you leaning? Yeah. If, you know, if both are on the board and I'm picking between these two, yeah. I'm leaning towards Zach Benson. Um, I will take the shot on the guy that's got a more well-rounded game, uh, has the playmaking ability, that compete, that motor, the hockey sense, the IQ, and trust that he f- he finds a way to succeed at the next level. You know, because I, I think he's a guy that I think Corey Promen put a, a player comp that I really like for him in terms of Jonathan Marcheseau. Uh, you know, similar size. I think a Yanni Gord, but on the wing, is very similar to what I see in Zach, in Zach Benson in terms of what he can be. I mean, you think about Yanni Gord in board battles, he's one of the toughest to beat, and he's five foot nine uh, on the board because he, he is so smart with his positioning and has such a will to win that puck. I think that's what Benson can be, and I'm a little wary of how perimeter-oriented Barlow's shooting is and whether or not he'll be able to get that same level of chances uh, at the next level um and so for that reason i would probably lean benson you know over barlow if i'm picking between the two so if barlow is sitting there on the draft board and you he's sitting there at nine do you think you can wait and he'll be there at 17 still to pick him up like you're the red wings and you want to pick him up but you're like do i spend my draft pick on him at nine or can I get him at 17? Do you think the Red Wings go nine or 17 with Barlow? I guess is my question. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, if, if you're an NHL team, if there's a guy you absolutely love, you take him no matter where the selection is, right? We've seen that with uh, Moritz Sider, and that's what the Wings did because they weren't willing to to wait and see. Same thing with Sebastian Cosa. They, they, they move up to get him because they're not waiting, you know, willing to see what Ken Holland's going to do in terms of taking Cosa. So, Ultimately, if Barlow's the guy that the Wings draft, you know, uh, group loves, and he's there at nine, you take him there and you don't play the game. That being said, from the public outlets, Barlow does look like he maybe like does look like he could get to seventeen. Uh, you know, Pronman again was pretty uh, accurate last year with most of his spots. Had has uh, Barlow at twenty right now. Bob McKenzie's list, which tends to be the most accurate, at least for the first round, uh, that list won't come out until a week before the draft. So we we don't know where we're at there. But Barlow, I believe, was eight on that list uh, at the midseason. So we'll be very interested to see how much uh, stock gets put into uh, you know what's out there in the public outlets. But 
I think at the end of the day, if you're the wings, if he's the guy you love, you take him at nine uh, and you don't worry about waiting. Gotcha. Well, I, I really just have one more question just about his style of play more. So Barlow, that is. And, and you know, we've talked so much about the, the, the goal scoring side of it and what he needs to do to kind of have that translate to the next level. Is it kind of like a... I guess I'll use the terminology like all or nothing. Whereas like if, if he can't figure out how to take better shots and the goal scoring doesn't really translate, there's really like no other part of his game that jumps out. that's going to make him like super effective. Or is that kind of like the the big tipping point that I don't know, all the cookies in, in that jar as far as uh, how effective of an NHL player he's going to be. No, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, I think ultimately if his shot isn't going the way that you want it to go at his size, he's a guy that's going to be able to play a heavy, heavy style of game. He's a guy that's going to be able to, you know, hit a lot, uh, put a lot of pressure on the opposition with his four check. And he could absolutely revamp his game, you know, to, to be very much like that. A guy that I think of a little bit, um, you know, that he could potentially play like, although He's not necessarily the same size as, but we've watched um, Florida this year. It's Sam Bennett. Um, now, Sam Bennett obviously is, a, you know, he's a he's a bit of a different guy. But at Sam Bennett's size, the muscle that he's added post-draft, he plays a very heavy game, a very hard game. He uh, physically imposes himself and uh, finds ways to contribute. And I think that's the style that Barlow could play if ultimately he doesn't end up being this elite goal scorer is finding his game along those lines. Sure. Gotcha. And so Scott, if you're all set with the questions, I want to get back to your, your models that you have. I know you have multiple, what are some of the other models that you got that you uh, currently like to post about on Twitter? Uh, well, right now, this is the, the main one that we're, we're working with here is the draft stocks app. I'm in the process of, revamping a mock draft one. And so I think for, for folks listening, I fundamentally consider draft rankings to be very different than mock drafts, uh, mock drafts, which should take into specific team needs. Uh, whereas draft rankings should really be about ranking the best players from one to 64 or however many uh, you're ranking. And so I'm working on a mock draft app that'll allow folks to sort of see what's the probability a, player reaches a certain position. Um, but that's got a, a fair bit of work needed before that's ready for the public. But those are kind of the two primary ones that I like to work with right now um, in the summertime. Otherwise, during the year, you know, I've got models that predict who will win the Norris. I've got models who will predict who will win the Selkie, uh, who will win the Vezina. Uh, so I've got all of that there. And, and those tend to be very interesting things to look at over the course of the season. Are those based on like obviously we we bring you on and we always talk end up at some point talking about like advanced analytics and whatnot which which i love um because that's very much like how my brain works on the baseball side of things for sure and i'm kind of working on on getting there on the hockey side still but like it, it, are those models like it, it extremely based off of those or is it based off of uh maybe like past winners of those awards if you're looking at those or is it kind of a combination of everything i guess yeah. So I think the most important thing when you're talking about a model is what question does it set out to answer? My question that I set out to answer with those voter models is who are the voters actually going to vote for? Not who had the best season, 
sure. or not who performed the best, but who is actually going to be voted for. So yeah, it is, it is heavily weighted towards, okay, which players best resemble prior winners. Absolutely. And then what other variables go in? So, you know, for example, let's take the Norris model. You've got folks that often will go to these repeat winners. So I have, mm-hmm. did somebody win it in the past uh, as a variable, you know, the size, the hits, uh, what their goals against looks like. A lot of those different components that I've found that those are what's valued by voters. I also polled, you know, a handful of, of PHWA voters just to get a sense of what they look at. And then that's how I built those models. So does, uh, based on your model, is Eric Carlson winning the Norris because he had over 100 points despite the fact that he played zero defense this year? Yeah, so my model <laughs> overwhelmingly had Eric Carlson as the favorite. I think they had a, it had him as a two-to-one favorite to, to win the Norris uh, with Kale McCarr second. I mean, what he did at his age is amazing, um, especially with the surgeries that he's gone under. But dude played zero defense this year on a bad Sharks team. He had no incentive to play any defense either because they weren't going to do anything. So he just poured it all into the <laughs> other end of the net. But, like, it's crazy. Like, it goes – th- we're going to go down a different rabbit hole of how I – the way the defenseman is valued has changed in the NHL. Not necessarily that that's a bad thing. Games evolve, but that's crazy because he just didn't play any defense this year. I, I saw his player card that Jay Fresh tweeted out, and it was just like 100% offense and 0% defense. And I was just like, oh, man. Like, but I knew he you know, it's uh, that, That's what the model loves. It loves Carlson. I will, you know, in, in a little bit of defense for Carlson, I will say we really struggle to measure defense. True. And and beyond that, we really struggled to ascribe correctly who was responsible for the good defense. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, this is going to come out on the 31st, so it'll predate an interview um, that we just did. But we just interviewed uh, a, a prominent NHL front office person. And, and one of the things that person said was when comparing public versus private analytics – was that public analytics is like you've got the lights off for 9.9 seconds and then the light switch gets flicked on for one second and it goes right back off. And then you've got another nine seconds in the dark because on average in the NHL play-by-play, which is what informs all of our models, there's one event every 10 seconds. So you're nine seconds in the dark, one second you know about. Whereas in private data, they have 10 events per second. Wow. So they, there's a lot more ability to see the room. And so I think it's just always good to keep that reminder in the back of your head when you're looking at a lot of these models. We do the best we can, but it's hard, and we're going off of very little information. Well, yeah. like, Baseball is the exact same way. The, 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 amount of, the difference in data that from front offices, especially like as you get you know, lower and lower down the totem pole as far as like organization. It it's a there's a massive difference there. It makes that makes a lot of sense. And I think that goes a long way to help like keeping that in your back of your mind goes a long way to help remember why some players get the contracts they do. Like Scotty and I pretty heavily criticized the Ben Chirant contract when it happened. But we knew that GMs around the league loved the guy. I mean they traded a first round pick to get him. The Florida Panthers did Red Wings sent him to four by four analytically He's kind of the, kind of a disaster out there, but everyone loves him. And I understand like in the locker room, he seems like a great guy, 
But like, that's why it wasn't until like I went to an actual Red Wings game and watched him for the first time this season live that I was able to kind of pull back away from the computer monitors and be like, oh, I can see it now because he does do things on the ice that doesn't necessarily get reflected in advanced analytics. Like just the sheer amount of times he dove on the ice to block shots, like he's fearless out there. And I'm not going to go as far as see like Ben Schrott deserves his four by four, but like I, I start to, I start to understand why, you know, sometimes it is important to look at what's happening on the ice and not just what's happening on the score sheet or in the data sets, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, to stick with the Ben Sherratt, uh comparison, there's very few defensemen that skate better than him. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best skaters. And to have that skating ability from the back end it's tremendous. Now you obviously have to pair it with excellent decision-making and, you know, things to really take your game to the higher level, but you've got a guy who's fearless, very competitive, uh, plays with a bit of an edge and is a tremendous skater. Uh, you know, it's hard. It, it, it is easy to see why a lot of general managers like him. And I, I, I think there may be different pieces of information that each has access to that allows them to, to make their decisions about him. And ultimately there isn't one right opinion and one wrong opinion opinion about a lot of these guys it's just you know it's how you want to slice the information and what you know how that sort of feeds where you're going and where you're thinking absolutely absolutely scott anything left buddy we ball that's it awesome Prashant. thank you so much for joining us yeah man. thank you as always uh where can the people find you where can they hear you well you can always find me uh on twitter probably spamming with some ridiculous chart as, as brian <laughs> just mentioned but otherwise you know if you want to listen to a little bit more analytics based conversation um you know we've got the podcast up and running expected by whom uh, myself and sean shapiro we record about once a week uh try and get things out every friday so tune in if if that interests you awesome again thank you so much uh so much prashanth and then scotty you and i will be back tomorrow uh with a yep. new episode so stay tuned to that same time same place see your team every day, every day. Thank you.